All right, everybody. We want to welcome everyone to the Grind 1.0 podcast. And this is a podcast about entrepreneurship or the ups and downs. Um, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day out there. And I want to give a big up, shout out to all those who sacrificed their lives for our country. And if I feel, if you hear me and I'm a little tired today, it's because I am. Um, we kind of had, we, kind of went at it yesterday uh when i said went at it in a good way so just kind of bear with me but i want to be on point because my guess is for sure i got my main man here he hails from maryland and he kind of give you a little bit backstory on him he uh he uh basically got his doctor in uh engineering here at the university of arkansas and i won't tell you too much i'll let him introduce himself but i want to tell you welcome mr doctor oh, i say mr but dr joe daniels how are you brother I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm doing good. I didn't hoping that I didn't chop that up too much, because uh, uh, it's like I said, it's been one of them days, man. It was one of them days. You were good to go. We are here. Awesome, awesome. So, give us a little rundown, uh, a little introduction about yourself before we get into the questions. Um, and I'm gonna actually send you a few more as we talking. But uh, okay. t- tell us, uh, tell us about yourself, and tell the people kind of. A little bit about your story, um, doctor. For sure. So I'm I'm Joe Daniels. Um, I am from Silver Spring, Maryland, born and raised. Uh, I went to North Carolina Anti State University for my bachelor's degree in uh, civil engineering, uh, and then decided to just go straight through. Um, I had a lot of friends who went on to start working. Later on, went to go get their masters. Uh, I, I got to a point after uh, I finished my civil engineering degree and was just like, I don't know what I want to do. So I kind of took the safe route and went and got my PhD um, here at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And so I'm still here, man. I decided to just, you know, this is this is a good place to kind of start out um, as an entrepreneur because there's a lot of opportunity here. There's just a lot of different resources here that are that are very well put together um once you're able to get your foot in the door and you're able to actually network and so i've just decided to stay here i'm looking to to maximize my doctorate degree in civil engineering from a work experience but then also looking to come out and you know start some new businesses um and just be business minded i think i think like there's a lot of people who um, are so focused on you know what job is going to get them the best uh the best income the best situation uh, but not not necessarily having an actual business mind uh, or, or have a, a have an actual mindset of entrepreneurship so I'm excited to be in that mental space um, and just keep figuring out what, what's happening here in the area that's awesome man that's a great point to make I think um, it's that's kind of trendy right now and before we get into the meat of this um, the, the entrepreneur's mindset and the business mindset that it what it takes and I think some of that is because obviously younger generations we we got to see our parents work so hard you know for for peanuts really and I say peanuts it fed us but the reality is is they don't have anything to show for at the at 50 60 70 80 years old you know what I mean and I think we we got to see that and we don't want to like relive that is that is that true is that factual to what the reason why you wanted to pursue business versus going further in the engineering field? Um, I, I think it's a both and. Um, I recognize that I don't have the experience that I need in certain avenues um, to be productive and, and successful in business right away. Um, so by no means am I saying going out and getting 
a full-time job in something isn't a um isn't what's necessary um i also but i also think that you know we are our own business right and so i own the business of joseph w Daniels third right and i feel like my business needs certain level of real tangible development and that's going to happen as my business partners with an actual larger entity um, to work for them. And so I need to actually go out and get a full-time job to get the experience that I need um, so that after, you know, eight, 10 years, I have enough experience. I have enough network connections um, to be able to take that leap um, and have it be more of a calculated risk rather than trying to go out here learn a lot with without having a lot of experience um so there are different things that i feel like i have expertise in um that i'm willing to go out and actually get the experience of trying to open start and run a business all while um pursuing further development uh for a career um you know and, and have that pretty much be the mindset i have so not necessarily looking for a career but looking for further development within different paths um, so that I can take that leap and, and start businesses on my own. Ah, that's that's powerful. That's valuable right there. And I think from what I hear you saying is almost like you don't you don't necessarily want to work for somebody in a sense, but you want to learn from. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. That I got a call. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you. All right. Keep rolling. We can keep rolling. Okay. I can get that out of there. But did you hear my question, though, that as far as working versus learning and how you want to use that knowledge that you're learning but also continues to work on Joe Daniels, the third, Dr. Joe Daniels, the third business structure as you grow and learn more from a, a bigger business, specifically in what fields you're trying to go in. Absolutely. So the one thing that getting a PhD taught me was that I don't know, I don't know a lot about a lot, um, but I know how to learn it and I know how to get it. And, 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 and once I get it, I know how to apply it, right? So those intangible skills that you learn um, in pursuit of a doctorate, they're always transferable. Um, the good thing is I'm, I'm humble enough to know that I don't know enough to be dangerous. And, right. and I, I don't know enough to give a client uh, in, in certain fields that I want to get into. I don't know enough to give a client uh, the best that I have. Um, from an engineering business minded standpoint. Um, there are other things that I'm learning though, that allows me to be dangerous in, in other fields. Um, and so I'm just trying to, you know, find ways and, and find my niche so that I know exactly what it is that I would like to do um, from a business standpoint. Uh, but taking what I know now and what I'm an expert in now and applying that to a corporation or to a company, um, so I can learn from them as they utilize all of my expertise. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think anytime that you look at it that way, like you say, um, you don't know enough to be dangerous. You are even that just that much more dangerous because you you acknowledge that a lot of people go out here and be like, yeah, now I'm ready. You know, I just got my engineer. You know, I'm a doctoral student. I just finished up. I'm about to, you know, you know, cut the whole world up. They get get ready for me. The fact that you are still looking at it as a learning standpoint makes you even much more Davis because you you are absorbing information still to be able to add to your repertoire, to your toolbox, and to your, you know, your weapon system to be able to get out there and learn more and earn more. And I like that. I like that idea. And but let's segue to that. You know, just from the entrepreneurships, you just you just graduated last year, right? I graduated uh, a few months ago. Actually, I graduated in December. So you really knew. So you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of, not necessarily a lot, but you have uh, information that you could potentially help people that may be listening to just starting out. Um, what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now and kind of balancing that, um, the entrepreneurship drive in you, but also knowing that you need some kind of system to be able to make sure that you're making the, like you said earlier, the calculated steps to be able to provide value for potential clients, whether it be in engineering or whether it be whatever business. And specifically, what businesses are you, you know, before we get into that question, what businesses are you kind of, you know, going after right now? Um, just give us an idea what that is. All right, all right. How are you, Dr. Daniels? Doing real good, man. Awesome, awesome. Um, and we'll just kind of pick up back to where we were. Um, and I know we were talk, kind of talking about breaking down the connecting the dots as it comes to you making money, basically, mm-hmm. and going through the entrepreneurship struggle. Kind of, I know you said you, you going back to your wife and how she made it plain and saying like you you gonna get opportunities because you put yourself in a position to do so. We're going sure. from a from a not only from an academic standpoint, but rubbing shoulders probably with their, some of the you know, upper echelon people here in Fayetteville and Northwest sure. Arkansas. So yeah. kind of talk about that. Yeah, you know, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a thing that's, it's, it's not a scary process. Right. Um, but you just have to be very strategic about what you want to do. Right. Um, and what I have found that works a lot now is to find ways to verbalize what you want to do. Um, typically when people know your strengths and know what you want to do they will typically you know look out for you and try to find ways to put you in positions where you can be successful Um, not always in a way that helps them but in a way that just makes you know um, you know me as a person successful and I found that here at least in this area uh, the people I rub shoulders with Um, but I'm also finding I'm finding that out a lot more um, because I'm doing this thing called 100 cups of coffee. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And so uh, it just kind of happened organically. It wasn't anything that I just came up with off the brain. Um, it was just like beautiful convergence of uh, two different things that just kind of made it something cool. Right. Um, so if you like, I can explain it now. Or we yeah, no, let's on. talk about that because that was going to be a perfect segue into sure. that to 100 cup of co- coffee because I think it's in my mind, this is just like a, a close proximity conversation, absolutely intimate conversation um, about kind of life in general and how, you know, transcendence, whatever that is, and then it bottles to where, where you are and where that person is, whoever sure. you're talking to. That's, that's kind of what I got from that's it. That's exactly what it is. So, um, 
once I was finishing up my doctor degree, I um, actually rolled into the entrepreneurship program at the University of Arkansas. So the last semester I was working on my degree, I started the entrepreneurship program. It was kind of like just like a like a full year. Um, so both fall and spring semester. Um, so in the class we were doing new venture development, and so when going out and figuring out if you have a product or if you have a service that customers want, you have to go out and do customer interviews. Yeah. And, um, you know, so you, you just go out and meet people and see, you know, hey, is my product something that you would that you would buy or is my service something that you would be interested in, in, in utilizing? Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing happened. So as that was going on in the class and as my team had to start going out here and meeting people, um, I listened to a podcast called how I built how I built this uh, I think it was, was that Guy Raz I think Guy Raz yeah yeah so yeah. he's on NPR too yeah, yeah so yeah. he had he had a person on um, and she's just like look I do 100 cups of coffee she, she didn't call it 100 cups of coffee I have coffee with people because I feel like that's the best way to network um, kind of like an icebreaker just yeah and yeah. so you know she says um, something along the lines of there's 52 weeks out of the year. Mm-hmm. You typically take two weeks out of the year um, to do vacation. Right. So there's 50 weeks that you're working in the year. The average American drinks three cups of coffee a day. That's 15 cups of coffee during a work week. Don't have all 15 by yourself. Try mm. to have two with at least somebody you don't know. And two times 50 is 100. Yeah. And so she didn't put it in the simplest phrase of 100 cups of coffee. Um, but as I'm doing customer interviews and I'm hearing all of this being digested. It just kind of clicked. It, it's perfect. It's like, yeah. so So it would be so much easier um, if I needed someone or someone needed me for them to get in contact with me after we've already met them to do cold calls, cold yeah. emails, or cold meetings. Right. Um, and so how do I begin to just invest myself in meeting people? Right. Um, and then that just threw open a whole different can of worms as this experience has gone on because then you start realizing that, you know, people hold different titles, um, but they're still people. And so they have passions, they have ideas, they have... Um, you know, thoughts, perspectives, um, things that can be like-minded or things that aren't. Um, but I think we as a country or we as a society in general have lost the um, the ability to do one-on-one relationship building. Mm. Everything we do from a relationship standpoint is very transactional. Yeah. So I look up your LinkedIn. If you're not you know, in a certain position that you can help me get to the next step of my development, then all of a sudden you are not considered someone who can help me. Mm. Right. Right. And so, but that may be my neighbor, you know? And so all of a sudden, you know, we're so consumed with, uh, with transactions right? and people have become a part of that transaction. Right. And so those are the things that, that I found that doing a hundred cups of coffee has allowed me to do. But then as you go back to the entrepreneurship space, as I'm able to, to have to, to have coffee with somebody, I tell you my strengths, I tell you my desires, I tell you my ideas. Um, and I, I share with someone intimately, like, man, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then as those opportunities manifest, it could be next week, 
next month, next year, the next five years. As they manifest, we've already established a relationship. That person may be able to put me in position uh, to be successful, right. you know, in the near or the far future, right. um, which will then help me as an entrepreneur to figure out how do I continue to navigate because life in general is all about people. Yeah, and we have to get back and focus on people. That's I'm glad you said that, and I think the the, the thing about that too is you're not going in it trying to sell them something, right? And it's it's so easy. Yeah, so it makes, it the, makes conversa- the conversation so, so much easy. better because they don't feel apprehensive. Absolutely. They don't feel because I've I've been in sales. I used to sell copiers, you know, and I I did I didn't do as well because one I didn't believe in the product, not the you know rag on the, the company that I was working with not even gonna mention them but the reality is I, I didn't believe in what I was doing right mm-hmm. so you believe in Joe Daniels you believe in your Absolutely. ambitions it's, so it's passion now whenever you're discussing and talk about it and not only that you got the coffee that can break those barriers whatever the potential barriers and biases and complexities that people have because we have blind spots we all do and we'll talk mm-hmm. about them a little bit but I like that. I like the fact that that's how you approach it. And I think what you could do, in my opinion, is use that as an anchor as your entrepreneurship continues to grow. Mm-hmm. That's how you just move. You know, if you have somebody you want to talk to, you want to do business with, let's go have coffee. And it's going to be part of my segment called 100. Do you mind if it be part? And most people don't mind. Like, yeah, they people want to be, Absolutely. you know, publicized in a sense. What do you think about that? I mean, do you think that's... That's a- what I'm doing, man. Like, it's... it's I'm, I'm actually pushing to have this be something that I do. Right. Um, and typically the things that people create are one of those just random happenstances that you right. just kind of run up on it. And folks are just like, well, how'd you come up with that? Like, man, look, I don't know. It just happened. It just fell out the sky one day, and it just happened to fall in my lap. Right. And I mean, I, I wasn't a genius sitting on the sitting at the dry race board trying to figure out what was the best way of doing this. Right. It was something that, you know, it, it it happened within this random period of time, and I pursued it and was committed to it. Yeah. And being committed to it allowed me to see the 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 opportunity and possibilities, mm-hmm. and I ran with it long enough to open up what it could possibly be and again open up more doors I feel confident that for you and the biggest thing for me right now like we having that and this 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 podcast is going to probably be called I'm going to call it 100 Cups with mm-hmm. Joe, Dr. Joe Daniels because I think it's so fitting to be called that and also um, just so you know it'll be on all the social media and it go out there but I guess my next question is kind of a segue into kind of a little bit more um, not controversial, but a little bit more contentious subject as far as the climate of the country mm-hmm. and the plight of the African American male. Mm-hmm. What, as it pertains to entrepreneurship, how do you, what do you, I know it's a lot to unpack there, but how, how do you see jo- Dr. Jordanian's advancing in the climate mm-hmm. right now, the way it is, and how do you see the future as it pertains to entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and where you stand for sure? Um, I'll start with this. Um, I didn't get my doctorate degree uh, because I needed it to do what I wanted to do in life. Uh, my dream was always to become a civil engineer. When I crossed the stage after I got my, uh, after, I, after I completed all that, all I had to do for my civil engineering, civil engineering degree from undergraduate, I feel like I had conquered my dream. I, didn't, I, I hadn't worked for anybody yet full time, but on a piece of paper it said, I was a civil engineer <laughs> right. right before I, um, right before, or I guess right after I, I, um, I, uh, I graduated from undergrad, I got uh, the email that I had passed the fundamentals of engineering exam, 
which pretty much means that I become an engineer in training. Mm. And so I felt like I had accomplished my dream. Right. And so I didn't, I was very confused about what life was getting ready to be like. Fast forward all that, make a long story short, I pursued the doctorate degree because my dad had one. Yeah, his is in theology. Um, but I also pursued one because I went to a conference uh, hosted by the National Society of Black Engineers, and they're like, under 2% of all the PhD graduates in engineering mm. are black wow. annually. And that number typically will be closer to 1%. And so it's like, well, you have the credentials to go and pursue a doctorate degree. Since you don't know what you want to do yet, I want you to just continue your education. And so, you know, when I get done, you know, with my PhD, it's now what do you want to do? Well, I don't know, because I knew that I wanted to be I wanted to be a part of that increasing that statistic, mm-hmm. so that you know, people, uh, kids, you know, growing up, regardless of what situation they grew up in, can realize the fact that they can be a doctor, a, a, a doctored civil engineer, right. or they can be in engineering at the highest academic level. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to be the Michael Jordan of, of, of engineering, right. so that you know that respect level um, has you know can 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 be seen on the academic level, as opposed to always having to go the sports route. Um, so now to answer your question, um, being at the highest level academically within a certain discipline, um, it now goes towards how do I get myself into different rooms. And how do I get seated at that table so that now I'm not just, you know, taking up a seat, but I'm bringing in the voices of people um, who are disinherited, who are disenfranchised, and making sure that their thoughts, their opinions are heard. And then if you go back to the point of the conversation, we talked about, um, you know, having everything line up to one vision. Mm-hmm. As I'm doing 100 cups of coffee, I'm not doing them with just CEOs. Right. I'm doing them with custodians. I'm doing them with people who work at the post office. I'm doing them with people um, who are doing internships at um, at the courthouse. So I'm getting a very vast um, perspective of community. And so as I go into these different rooms, I'm going in with a diverse mindset uh, so that I'm not just speaking for Joe Daniels. I'm speaking for you know all the aunties, the moms, the sons, uh, the fathers, uh, the homeless, the veterans who are coming in and saying, "This is what we need. We haven't been able to find us here at the table. This is what we have to get done." And so I think in those ways, when I'm able to email someone and says, "Dear such and such, sincerely Joseph Daniels, Ph.D.," that then allows me to have um, some kind of uh, time with people in positions of power, how am I now being responsible enough to take on um, the concerns and the needs of those, of, of that, those pockets of the community to make sure their voices are being heard? And mm-hmm. I think that's the responsibility um, that I feel like I now have um, and choose to take on uh, because it's a choice. I can always go around and, and want to be a businessman, make my money and keep it moving. Right. Um, but how are we making sure that those who um, are disenfranchised and disinherited uh, they have an advocate that will you know fight for what's best for them because when I die I can create the biggest company known to man but that company doesn't 
come with me when I die. Right. When I die, I'm done. Exactly. Right. So how am I creating opportunities uh, that create generational wealth, uh, selfishly for my family, uh, but for people in communities uh, that have um, economically, systematically, and racially continuously been disenfranchised? Mm, that's big. I, I think what you know what I hear is. You take it on that call and that challenge, and one man can make a difference almost. Mm-hmm. In the sense that you made a choice and you made a decision to say, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, what you have been, how you've been represented now. This is how I'm going to approach it to be able to help you and align you with the people that could potentially assist you better. And I think that's an admirable goal, an admirable challenge. But I think it's always still a balance act, right? You know, how do you? further your situation, whatever it may be, whether it be real estate, whether it be public speaking, but then how also you can constantly give back into the community. And I can see that kind of bringing in issues and ripples as you go and as you try to align those things. And when you do, I think you'll be better off for that because you'll learn, like you said, the, the, the community approach. You're learning from all these people. You're not just talking to them with a baseless content matter, right? Right. You're trying to you're trying to divulge and get information from them to be able to use to be able to go talk to the people who are in charge and say, hey, these people can provide value whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. And this is why, and the reason why they're gonna listen to you because you got that PhD. Right. And I think that's really that's powerful, man. And that's powerful because a lot of people, like you say, man, I got my PhD. I'm about to go roll up and go get the American dream. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know. And I think. Um, that's awesome. So, and I, it kind of was two parts to that question, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think you kind of answered the first part as far as um, the, 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 the state of, of where we are in, in helping people more so than being, you know, cutthroat and trying to just take your bit piece of the pie and, and run with it. So, I think you said that's not you, right? You're going you're gonna to actually help reach one, teach one kind of aspect. So my second part of that question is, what do you, as it pertains to entrepreneurship as the African-American male, the plight of him, mm-hmm. and as it pertains to entrepreneurship, what do you, what's your take on that? What's your view uh, on that specifically? Man, I had this idea, and I'm in no way of taking it and moving it. Um, and so I'm going to answer the question at the end and then come back and bring it home. Okay. My idea is... Can there be a black professor at a private HBCU where there's no public issues involved that can write a grant to do a full study of medical marijuana? And can we hire and can we pay for all the brothers off the street selling selling weed, whatever? pay for all of them to get education to do research on medical marijuana mm. can we do that can we can we find ways to get brothers out of prison and fully finance you know the thing that put them in prison fully finance their education through the very thing that put them in jail right whether to even pass marijuana even even pass marijuana mm. are there other things that have been deemed as drugs um you know, that have killed people. Are there other uses for these things uh, to better help or solve problems? Right. Um, and so I, I say I have to say that mentally, I think we can strategically think of ways um, 
to put black men in particular in systems that will help them be more effective. In saying the word systems, I think those are the things that we have to continue to attack. Because when you look at um, when you look at the average person, I don't think the average person has on face value. They don't, and I, and I may get flagged for this, but I don't think the average person like wakes up and tries to be racist coming out the gate. I think that we live in a society where the system is what a person wants to protect because they've always been able to be successful in that system. And the moment we um, adjust the system, everybody has to then start over to figure out how to how to win. Right. Um, I think black males are caught in the system that is constantly being revised to keep black men at a um, at a certain position. Uh, when you affect a black man, you affect the family, mm-hmm. the family structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, I I'm 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 with the trend of supporting black businesses, of of trying to highlight black businesses. When we got married, we we tried to utilize all black businesses to do all the things that we needed from photography, um, from DJing, from from uh, providing uh, the food to, to, to the catering pieces. Um, but that's that's hard, man. It's it's hard to try to it's hard to try to put um, strategy behind it um, from the standpoint of. Um, a one person working standpoint. Right. We have to work collectively to figure out what we're gonna do from community to community. Cause we all have different problems. Yeah. The, the, the plight of the black man in Northwest Arkansas is completely different from the plight of the black man in, in Little Rock. Or Maryland. Or Maryland. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I, I I think we have to be community centric yeah. and community focused. Right. Um, because there is that that um, that actual nuance between what a black man in Maryland needs versus what a black man in Northwest Arkansas needs. Could that same thing be said about the white man in Maryland or in, in Little Rock? Absolutely. So, and, and, I, and I bring up this question, obviously, because you're African-American and I am too, and we can talk about these issues, so why not talk about them, right? Yeah. Um, not in a way to where we're trying to make people upset or make them not listen to the podcast. We want to talk about subjects like this because people want to know what we think about it because mm-hmm. we are black men, and I think that's important. So, and for me, I just, I like how you said it, being, you know, the community part of it is really the only way. It's like, what are you doing to, you know, for your kid or your nephew or that young brother that you see on the street or whatever? How are you interacting with them? You know, and I think that's where we start. Now, from the system standpoint, that's another, that's a whole different ball game, right? Especially when it, it, it has been proven that, you know, on average from, you know, Four to one, you know, African American males have a higher chance have a higher chance of going to get being incarcerated than their um, than, than their Caucasian brother. And I think what that tells you is, you know, like you said, you have the head of the household, which is the male, supposedly, or Jesus, you know, if you're a spiritual, and I know I am. You start with Jesus, and then you go to the man. You know, obviously it's God and the Holy Trinity, but Jesus and then, and then the man. So once you take that away, those people have to fend for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this the system that we 
live in, exist in, coexist in, attempt to, um, has given us choices. And so there are people who have overcome what we what we deem as you know unfair cut or mm-hmm. unfair take. There are people who have been consumed by it. I know them. I talk to them. Send them letters. You know what I mean. They're actually in the system right now. Coming from Little Rock, I have a lot of people that I that are incarcerated. I've been faced with it. You know what I mean. My point, I guess, what I want to get to is, been from a man from academia, somebody who's been well thought, well taught, you know, entrenched in the academics as it pertains to engineering. Of course, and now you're in entrepreneurship. It's kind of like a hard knocks life lesson. You got to learn as you go. Right. But, but, and I guess I don't want to beat around the bush. It's just like, what do we have to do to help each other out, mm-hmm. and not? blame it on the system is that possible um, because we live yeah, you know I, we live within it I think it's a both and I, I, I think we have this we have to first not be scared of each other there is fear it's because crazy I, because I think I think you talk about systems systematically you know we have been demonized and we have been looked at as a very uh, beastly type figure and so we have to stop. We have to stop being scared of one another, because when we're scared, our fear begins to allow us to act in ways um, that are detrimental to our brother. Um, we have to stop being jealous of each other. Um, there's enough, and we have to have a global perspective. There's enough money globally for all of us to win, mm-hmm. right? So we have to figure out how to do that. Um, so stop being scared of each other. Stop, stop being jealous and want what the other person has, um, and then begin holding each other accountable. Um, and then the fourth is uh, be victorious when one or a group, uh, you know, has done something productive, because it, it, it shouldn't be, oh, he got his, I need to not go get mine. It should be, he has done something. That has elevated our community mm-hmm. and so I'm going to celebrate in what he has but the fact that I'm going to hold him accountable means to say that you know I want you to make sure that as you're growing you don't just completely isolate yourself from the rest of us right because you have now elevated yourself to get to a certain a certain stature that you have access to the resources I think what what we need as a, as a race is we need to begin fighting for access to everything and then providing that access. So the access point is what I'm talking about when I get to go into boardrooms and I go in there knowing other people and what they want. And you because, because there's an access barrier right. that now they don't have. Right. Um, so it, it because, or not because, but but like if, if we're able to not be scared of each other, if we're able to find ways to um, to not be upset if, if someone wins and I don't, hold each other accountable, um, celebrate in the victories, and then come together and figure out what's our agenda. Right. Right. What can we do? What's our agenda? Mm-hmm. Um, then we figure out, you know, how do we become better fathers? How do we become better role models? How do we become better sons? Uh, how to become better husbands um, and that's not easy 
at all. No, it's not. It's not easy at all. And uh, that's awesome the way you put it. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's actionable steps. Like right, like not the fear is we all. Everybody's fear, afraid of the unknown. And I think some of what has happened in the last you know five to eight years, you know, with the obviously some of the things that we see on television when it comes to the violence towards African American males, some of it has brought us closer. Mm-hmm. Like I see that the you know it, it'll be like I oh, would be on the street like oh, what dude looking at me for you know like I don't know that dude you know that hasn't been as prominent. I find myself somebody who's very knowledgeable and educated as well being that way, and I had to realize like why why you don't know him that I mean you have to be right. negative towards him. And I think that's the part what you were talking about as far as being yeah. scared of each other because I don't know him you know what I mean but Absolutely. we share the same. Like regardless of where he right. is, he is in his with, life with nothing on paper, exactly, with no name being presented. We just got the same color. We're skin. just another black man walking down exactly. the street, just like that black man walking yeah. down the street. Exactly. So with that, knowing that and, and and seeing some of the things that we've seen, I think we we are getting closer to not eliminating that, but mm-hmm. having more of a brotherhood. And it has to be community centric. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. No doubt. Like I should be able to know how to get to you. Right. Regardless if I don't know who you are, right? There should be there should be something within community that says, okay, I can reach as many as I need to through email, phone call, whatever, right? Um, you know, with like within the community, right? And see, and I, I think most people are like, oh, well, how does this change entrepreneurship? Well, we have to cross these barriers before we even think right. about you know owning or doing anything, right? And when it, as it pertains to us, you know. Uh, acquire more money or more knowledge or whatever it is so there's a lot of different layers to what the the plight is right and i think the reason why i asked that question we'll move on from that which i really thank you for your take on that and i think it's very important that you know we don't sidestep that stuff for sure and then people so it's genuine you know but i guess to wrap this up is just those are actionable steps, and we can we can do those. They're 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 achievable, and I think we are starting to see and chip away at some of the stuff that is between us, mm-hmm. not necessarily the system. And I can't I can talk about this. That's a whole other podcast, right? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And my really focus was just on you know you and I and the people that we don't know as African American brothers, and I think that's what we need to focus. And then the younger people down below that, and try to bring them. But when you see them out there, talk to them. Hey, how you doing, little man? You know what I mean? Like, cause. A lot of times I see young brothers, and I got, you know, my daughter, she's at East End. I go to school. That's a kid there, African-American young boy. He called me dad one day, you know what I mean? Like, because his dad ain't coming to the school and visiting him. You get what I'm saying? And that's part of, I don't know where his dad is. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say I know. I don't. But the fact of the matter is he's not, he's not representing his son at the school. Right. Right. And his son needs that. Every son needs that. Every daughter needs that, especially for, in the African-American community. And we don't participate in the education of the younger population right. when it comes to PTAs. And you gotta think about PTAs, they raise a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're part of a lot of the system as a whole that we just don't, oh, we ain't got time for that. And some of that is because of the system too, because you have, a, you're a single parent, you're trying right. to go work and do stuff for your child. So it's a whole right. layer and cascade right. type of things that fall down yeah. to get to where we're trying to go. But Absolutely. I think as a man's perspective, it's like, okay, what can we do to help each other out? And I think you hit it on the head. But just for your actual viewers, though, 
um, who may not live within the community that where we come from, we also have to celebrate the victories that we do know of, mm-hmm. right? And so in Northwest Arkansas, we see a very high affluent black population yeah. who have fathers at home, right? Um, whose fathers are making six figures, right? Um, whose fathers are participating in uh, the PTAs, whose fathers are participating in science for projects, whose fathers are going to the field trips, whose fathers are doing everything that every other father is to do, right? right? Like this isn't, I think we have to get out of the mindset of, you know, there are things within our community that are behind um, because systemically we have always been kept behind. Right. Um, but we have to also take our victories where the, where the victory need to be um, discussed and we need to take hold of those and put them on a pedestal on a platform. And look towards them. And look towards them. Yeah. The reason I say systems is because in places like a Northwest Arkansas, um, you're finding that there are a lot of black males doing very progressive, very successful types of things. And so within that, with, like, like within that mode and that shape, how are we now going in to change policy, you know, in our area, but be a model of how we change policy um, in different communities? And so, you know, there's things here um, from a system, from a systemic and a policy standpoint where we can attack because we don't have to necessarily always deal with um, these different plights. Right. Right. So how, how do we come together in places like this to make sure that we demand um, certain type of hiring processes so that black people have opportunities to at least sit for an interview? Right. You know, how do we begin looking at systems where... Um, People who are locked up right now for drugs um, get exonerated of their charge if it's voted into council from city council that medical marijuana is going to be something that we do and legalize in Washington and Benton County. How do we now put our foot on that system and make sure those who are locked up down here in South Fayetteville uh, for these petty crimes are now taken out of the system because the same thing that got them in jail is what's now being uh, capitalize off of from an entrepreneurship standpoint. Exactly. And so, you know, how do we create, how do we do those systems? So I'm not necessarily talking about the system of, you know, um, or pipeline systems from um, school to school to prison. Right. Like I'm not talking about how do we always, how do we go in and, and attack that system, but systems that we can attack uh, on, on face value and very, you know, very low hanging fruit. How right. do we go in there and, and, and attack those systems so that you know life on a daily basis as we continue to fight for the overall uh system you know those things can be changed from a systemic standpoint and that's like what you call grassroots right that, that is a great grassroots being, being knowledgeable yeah it. yeah and doing something about and it doing and participation about in that and we can talk about participation rates and voters uh stuff <laughs> yeah. all day long right yeah, that's why thing. you don't vote oh man it don't affect me but it do yeah. you know and you know you have to think about especially when you talk about ordinances and, and, and city Absolutely. city things that really does do affect you you might have representatives listening on npr just a second ago you might have a couple thousand people just making a decision for over over a million you know what I mean? The, the low representation uh, can be crucial and yeah. crippling to our community. I mean, we just voted on millions of dollars of uh, 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 of actual decisions. Yeah, that that's going to be made. Yeah, like in in Fayetteville. Right. We just voted. That was just a, that was just a, you know we just, we just had a, a a voting process to you know pass or deny that. That's a perfect example. But let's segue. And you talk about it. You hit on it a little bit. But um, thank you for your take on that and I know that's you know a subject maybe maybe 
you get some little fat flack back, maybe I will, but I welcome it. And I, you know, I sure. think it's important for us to talk about these issues, especially where we are. We're not yeah. talking about anybody but ourselves. And black men are not a monolith. Right. We don't do just one thing. And we right? all see each other. I, I come from a family um, who moved from a predominantly black county to, to a predominantly white county. For It's, ah, man, I think the biggest thing for me is, and I, we, we can wrap it up, is just acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. And then those steps that you talk about and then moving forward. So you hit on the head a little bit as far as capitalistic view, especially with the medical marijuana part. What do you, how do you view capitalism um, as it pertains to entrepreneurship? Um, what do you think about it? How do you see it involving Joe and his world, Dr. Dr. Joe and his world and that is moving forward um I mean you know I look at the value of time the value of money the value of people um in the society we live in we have to respect money for what money can provide mm-hmm. and the access that money provides and um where money can take you I know Hill Harper put it really good in his book, The uh, Wealth Cure. If we if we think of money as a tool, then we understand that we need money just as much as we need a backhoe. Right. Just like as much as we need, you know, a certain drill bit if we're in the need of a drill bit for that moment. Right. Right. And so putting money in a value standpoint where it needs to be and um, I'm privileged enough to be able to do that there's a lot of people who do not have that perspective of money so like a uh, compartmentalization of the means to an end absolutely and so do I would I like to be a millionaire yeah that's in my vision that's in my vision board right I want to be a millionaire why you know, I think that's the question that a lot of people miss. Right. Why do you want to have X amount? Right. Right. The stereotypical thing is, oh, black people gonna buy them shoes. Right. Right. They gonna buy the Lambo. They gonna do whatever. Right. You know, I like to be wealthy. I like to have businesses because I would like to employ people. I like to have the ability to employ people and give them wages that are good enough to live on and still be able to create generational wealth for themselves. Right. That's awesome. And so. I think from a capitalistic standpoint, we have to begin to figure out what does money really mean? What does it mean for a, you know, Harvard University to have a 20 billion plus endowment? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Versus a North Carolina A&T where I went to undergrad having a, I don't know, a 50 plus million dollar endowment. Let's just be generous say 500,000. Right. $500 million dollar down right right what does that even mean right and so trying to really put my mind around um as i'm really getting into the business arena um because i'm very green in the business entrepreneurial arena um but how you know how are we viewing um cutting costs uh to meet the bottom line does bottom line mean that we let go of people as if we're doing another transaction or does the bottom line mean we lose out on some capital gain to make sure that my people are set? 
Right. And so trying to understand that we all die with a zero bank account. Right? When like once we've died, we pass along everything to someone else. And so As if you have something, right? As if you have something to pass along. Right, right. Right. You either pass along debt or you pass along gain. Right, right. Um but when we die, we're done. Yeah. Right? That's it. We've lived our life. I mean, that could be a life of a few breaths or a life past a hundred. Right. But once we're done, we're done. Right? And so to me, I like to be able to pursue as much as I can to create generational wealth. Understanding that as I raise children and as I've been raised, I've been raised always to think of community, always to think of people, always to think of how do I solve problems to um, make the lives of people better. That's all an engineer is supposed to do. When, when people take you know the oath of engineering, whatever the thing is called, they're, they're, they're pretty much saying, how do I find solutions to make the public's life better, safe, and more efficient? That sounds like a mission statement to me. That's, that's, you know? all, that's, that's the art of engineering, at least as I got it, right. as it was taught to me. Right. And so from a capitalistic standpoint, I want to gain the tool, strengthen that tool to be the best version of itself so I can use it as such, as yeah. a tool to, to either create access, uh, to make access for myself, um, and to extend that same access, if not more, to everything that comes behind me after right. I take my last breath. Well, and that's awesome. And it's like, regardless of how you do it, it's going to help somebody else. Absolutely. It's almost like, and having the capitalistic view of this, I think we're moving towards that because the old guard is always thinking, you know, what's the bottom line, what's the bottom line? And I think more corporations are starting to see especially with technology and how, you know, we can be remote and still get things done and pretty be more, actually more efficient than you are if you're in the office. But companies are starting to see that more people-centered and centered um, organizations are thriving. Mm-hmm. Look at Google, look at the um, look at some of the big companies there. They, they wanted to make create a campus to where the people there felt like it was a whole different world. And they've done that. Uh, look at Apple. They've done that. And I think that's what Tim Cook was on, on record saying. I think he had a talk where he was saying businesses have to learn to be nimble, to be able to figure out what it is they want to be in 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Just like any other business, of course, the bottom line is important. I've been in business. I know how you got to look at P&Ls to make sure that you are, you know, because of your business is either lost or gained in the margins, mm-hmm. and very slim margins in a lot of a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, understanding that premise, how do you apply to make sure that your people are taken care of? You want to create something that, like you said, is not only am I gaining in my margins, but my people are gaining too, and they have a quality of life that can help Absolutely. their family. And I think that's important. Absolutely, that's important. And I tell you where I learned that from. Not where I learned it from, but where it made the most sense. And it galvanized that thought process in my head. If you read the book Black Titan, I told mm-hmm. you about that, uh, I guess a, a, a week or so ago. Yeah. A.G. Gaston came from nothing to being a millionaire right. in like the 60s, 70s, in the 60s, 50s, right. 50s and 60s, right? So going through the Civil Rights Movement, he's a millionaire, right? right? So the expectation was he was going to just like throw out money consistently for the black cause, right? Um, that's not where the story goes. The story goes, at the end of it, at the very end of his of everything, he sells his business 
right? Million dollar business, like multi-million dollar business. He sells it off to the people who are his associates for like the last 30 something years, mm. right? The family is a little disappointed, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just like, wait a minute, we supposed to get this. His thought process was, you guys are my family, but you didn't help build this. Right. What built this was these 52 associates. And so I've given, you know, portions to all 52 of these people. And so now what he's done is he's a, he's he's accrued a net worth for himself that passing along to his family has created generational wealth for his family. But he's now created generational wealth for 52 families. Right. You know what I'm saying? It creates almost like a pyramid. And, and so now there's 52 families who have now fully eaten and their families will eat off of what this one man has made his decision upon. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to keep everything and you guys can continue to work with me. It's I'm going to allow all of you all to have shares in, like, in this company so that when you decide to sell, you now have a portion of what you have worked for that will now bring your family generational wealth if you're diligent with what you've been left with and responsible for what you've been given mm-hmm. you can now create and continue to to develop the generational wealth that we have all attained wow for for generations to come a significant contribution to somebody right and so now he's dead but he has contributed to he has financially contributed to the at least 50 from some plus families for their long-term generational wealth. Wow. And it, listeners, if you're out there, uh, that's A.G. Gaston. I think he uh, owned a... A.G. Gaston. He owned a lot of uh, funeral homes. He, he started off owning um, a, I think, a um, life insurance type situation where, like, once you died, you paid into a, a, a policy that you, you, you pretty much, they paid for your your funeral services specifically for the african-american specifically for the african-american community and he vertically integrated that within purchasing cemeteries purchasing uh funeral homes all that kind of stuff and so he's he pretty much became the person who dealt with death wow that's big that's big and i think some of that aspiration that you have to do something like that not necessarily with the particular funeral homes in that process but whatever you build a business yeah. you want to be able Those to leave it yeah 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 because I, I that's that's a it's a formidable goal but it's also achievable it is. and I think it makes you it makes the worth of you know why do you want to be a millionaire it makes more sense it's justifiable I don't want to just be a millionaire just to be one mm-hmm. I want to be a millionaire and not only does it bring me choices in my life because a lot of times we are forced life acts upon us sometimes so you have to figure out how do you control your own life so having money gives you the options right Mm -hmm. and using it as a tool whenever you need to go fix that whatever you're trying to fix with the resources that you have but more importantly is the impact the really the impact that you're going to leave for the people that will help you build it and your family so you got two birds you kill with one stone right and i think that's 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 big right there and i think you got the tools to do that just talking to you over the years, you know, when we first met to now and seeing where you are, I think you had the tools to do that, and I'm, I'm going to be there rooting for you and potentially helping you with that. Um, with that being said, I think we can, that's a perfect segue to move to our next segment is, what is it that some people may or may not know about you, whether it be in the digital world or just in, you know, everyday life? What is something that nobody really knows about Dr. Joe Daniels? 
that you can be candid with, yeah. but not be, you know, um, embarrassed about? Yeah, for sure. Um, take your time, bro. Yeah, man. Take your time. Trying to make it all make sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be all right. I think um, we got... We got about 10, 10 more minutes before our hour is up. Um, let's see. People don't know why. Because I was going to do the whole real estate piece, but that was, that was already said. Um, it could be a childhood. Oh, thing. no, I, I, I got it. Um, so if you want to ask the question again, so we can just kind of roll Yeah, yeah, it. no. So what is it that people may or may not know about Dr. Joe Daniels? For sure. Um, getting a doctorate has opened up a scary world for me um, because now I feel like there's so many things that I want to do there's so many things that I can do um, not to be arrogant in that perspective but to say like getting this high from an academic standpoint one would think that I would know exactly what I want to do and go and go do it um, but I've been living in this kind of control, and, and I use the word depression loosely, and I don't, and I, only because I haven't found another word to use for it, because I know depression is a real, is a real issue. Yeah. Um, but just kind of, you know, frustrated from the standpoint of, what do I do next? Right. You know, I, I, I believe that I am a gifted speaker, um, and some of my work would allow others to also believe that I'm a gifted speaker. Um, I feel like I'm I'm passionate about the work of community, so much so that I've I've I'm I'm launching uh, or I'm continuing to launch um, what I believe and have created as a hashtag, which is build community through love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I build community through love, like what does that look like in in the lens of an entrepreneur? Right. Um, having a civil engineering degree. Where do I go understanding that the environment of civil engineering may not look like something I really want to be a part of because I like to be a part of people. I like to interact with people. And the stereotypical um, arena for civil engineers doesn't always have us communicating and working with people. Right. Problem solvers, but not necessarily with people. And so, you know, I've just been in this in this um, in this phase of trying to um, take the first step and figuring out how do I maximize my academic degrees and how does that all wind with the passions I have for community, uh, the passion I have for real estate, um, and the passions I have to speak. And so I'm trying to now process all those things and find a way to, to, to take the first step from a career from a career path to understand that I need career development working on a job. Right. Understanding that that's going to now take time away from my community work, but it's time that's necessary so that when I have the experience, I can now provide so much more to the other things that I'm passionate about. Um, than, than where I am right now uh, without having that experience. If you could put that in one sentence, mm-hmm. what would it say? 
the, everything you just said in that way the listeners will know what it is about Joe Dr. Daniels that is it I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth no, I, I would you. rather you you kind of say that but I kind of gathered what you got mm-hmm. but everybody else may not kind of pick up on it one sentence scared about what my future holds but I'm attacking it all the same that's what I that's what I gathered I didn't want to say it for you and I think that's natural that's yeah. human and I think having that can't just candid conversation on the ground 1.0 is a part of seeing different levels of entrepreneurship you're just in the beginning right absolutely I've been in it pretty much all my life but it's financially that hadn't equated to a whole lot right mm-hmm. with a lot of experience so that's that's heavy weight to have a lot of experience in whatever field that I choose. Specifically, it's been restaurant, but now I'm in the marketing and this and branding and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I gathered that out of that what you just said. So it just to repeat it is just being fearful of the unknown, mm-hmm. I think. And, but then taking the courage to continue to go down that road because you know in your heart that's what you want to do. And you don't want to look back, you know, 20 years from now and say, what if I would have done that? You know, I've been working in this engineering firm, which pays me, you know, six figures, which is great, but I'm not, internally, I'm not satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do my communal work. I couldn't do my public speaking. I couldn't do, like, you're warring against yourself in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, you're making that decision, even on this podcast, in this moment, I'm going to continue to go down this road because it's it's me. I can't do anything but me. And I, I applaud you for that. Because you may come to a point standpoint where you say, you know what, I gotta give it up. You go and in the back of your mind, because I've done it, right? Mm-hmm. I've done it recently. You know, I'm just now getting clients. You know, and I think the part of going back and being there in that moment is so so fearful. It's I mean, I'm afraid of it too. And just somebody coming from somebody that's been doing it for a while. So I think what you, what you're feeling and what people may or may not know, I think with that confidence that you've always exuded, whether it be your talks, whether it be some of the things you've done that people see on social media, see out there in the media, but knowing that you're still human too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, where we are. And that's what we share. And everybody that's listening uh, will listen in the future share that as well. Sure. And I think it's important that you share that because we all have to know that you're not a robot, you know, and you all have, we all have challenges that we're going to face, especially in the world of entrepreneurship. It's going to be so many challenges, but the, the end of the day is you can lay, lay down and wake up the next day and look in the mirror and say, I'm proud of who I'm becoming because I'm taking on the challenges of, of this life for sure, you know, mm-hmm. and not letting it just beat me up. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I hope I'm not preaching to y'all right now. <laughs> That's exactly it. So this is, this is the last part. Um, kind of want to ask you what, you, what, what, what kind of advice would you give people mm-hmm. who's just starting out? And then we'll kind of wrap it up from there. Um, really, thank you for coming on. Thank for you. sure. Um, we had a few, you know, technical difficulties. We made it happen. And that's, that's entrepreneurship one on one, right? Putting, <laughs> putting out fires every right. single As moment, right? And, and trying to figure out how you can correct that. So just kind of give us some idea of what um, advice you would give to people who has your potentially have your academic 
you know, prowess and that that title, but you have something bigger and better that you want to do this. Sure. Right. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing that has helped me so far is just networking um, and being intentional about your networking to to a standpoint where you're not asking, you're not selling, you're just networking. And and I guess to take it one one step further, it's just you're building relationships. Because um, sometimes we get caught in, in the whole game of networking as transaction. I need to meet that person right. because I know that person will help me get to where I have to get to. Um, but what about the rest of the people in the room? You right. know? How about the person who's collecting your your cup after you finish drinking it? You know? So um, I would say start building relationships. As you do that, you'll begin to, to, to build out your customer base all but um, and you get to find people who are like-minded um, people who may be your partners uh, but people who can then point you in the next direction as to what you want to do I found from my hundred cups of coffee um, that as I express my passions and express what I'm interested in doing um, people have said oh man a person who goes to my church does it does exactly that you guys should connect and then that becomes my next cup of coffee right and so as we, as, as you as you build um, and as you begin forming relationships with, with, without there being an ask for anything um, you'll find that you'll be you'll be introduced to so many people um, who can have a lasting impact on your life and on any business that you create nice well I think that's awesome I think everything that you you so generously and gracefully partake your wisdom um, even with just now starting but it's been awesome it's been a blast I really appreciate you for coming on having the candid conversation that we have had on the ground 1.0 and that's what it's all about it's all about the grind that you will that is inevitably each and every day right Mm -hmm. you're going to deal with something each and every day and I think uh, an undertone of all this is just stay you know stay going and stay going going after your passion and I hope that the best for you good Thank luck you. Um, and I'm gonna be there to support you like you said we need to be able to support each other yeah, and, back at and you. yeah and, and party when somebody is successful for our community and invite all other communities because there are other people who are also dealing with you know things that you know we may not necessarily whether it be the female the LGBTQ community uh, uh, Asian population the island Pacific Islands specifically when it comes to uh, in Northwest Arkansas and other pe- people as well who may be disenfranchised. So that's the voice that we try to speak for for everybody. And I think um, being in a capitalistic and entrepreneurship st- standpoint, we sometimes can get tunnel vision. But I don't want to, I can talk so long, I don't want to talk too much. But uh, I really appreciate you for coming on, brother. Thank um, you, man. For this, sure. this has been a pleasure. I, I'm better because of it. And this has been the Grind 1.0, y'all. Where I've had Dr. Joe Daniels, and this is 100 Cups. With Dr. Joe, this is this uh, this episode, and reach out and just tell the people for a second where they can get in touch with you as far as social media, how they how where they need to go. You have a website, for sure. well, all those things. Because this is gonna go to like quite a few people for sure. Facebook, Instagram, Joseph W. Daniels the number three. Um, you can check me out on YouTube at Joseph W. Daniels the third. Uh, that's a Roman that's a Roman numerals third. Um, and then you can contact me from those three places nice well thank you so much brother for sure absolutely absolutely absolutely